society. That's our scoreboard. Now, are we responsible for every church in America? No, we are not. Praise God. He is sovereign. But God has given us at this church a mission and a vision and a high calling and all the tools and equipping and power that he has for us, he's given to us. That's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Vision 2023. I've titled this message, All In for Jesus. If you didn't get a bulletin, Aaron's got one. Mr. Turner, thank you. Raise your hand. You're going to need one today. If you've gotten one, you've noticed they're a little thicker than usual. So I need everybody to get one. If you remember our vision series last year, there was a, there was a folder, and we gave out some critical documents. This one's a little bit lighter, but there's some important things in here that we're going to go through today and that I want you to have. So one per couple is fine, or each person with their own. All in for Jesus. At the Momentum Youth Conference last summer, one of the closing speakers made this comment to 2,000 teenagers there, many of them who had, who had given their lives to Christ over that week. He said, look, we need to be all in for Jesus because Jesus went all in for us. Amen? And so that sticks when we're talking Vision 2023, how Jesus went all in for us and what he calls us to be is all in for him. So that guiding truth is going to lead us in this week and next week and then really into the future for as long as we're on this earth. So we're going to focus on church vision today and more personal vision next Sunday. In your bulletins, here's what you find. If you go ahead and open those, you'll see the sermon notes are on a full sheet of paper this time. We'll follow along with that, and on the back of that is our goals, our vision goals for 2023. Last year's goals looked like this, if you remember. There's a big giant poster on the hallway wall of those, and I just want to celebrate if you had anything to do with any of the goals all of last year, let's just celebrate and thank God for what he did through Community Grace last year. Can you give him an applause for that? A couple things we learned from last year's goals is that uh, we need to reduce the number of goals and, and laser our focus. It's spread people out pretty thin, and uh, we are a very ambitious church, so that's good. Uh, but you'll see a, a, few, a smaller number of goals, and you'll see that 10 of them have a little star behind the numbers. Those are the 10 that, that deal with the whole church family the whole church body, and so really those are the 10 uh, that get all of our direct focus. 10 is a more manageable number as we go forward. Now, we'll, we'll get through a couple of the other things as we go, but let me start with a mission statement and a vision statement, just so we all know the difference between the two and what community graces are. A mission statement explains why something exists, what, what we exist to do. In, in terms of military, if a military group is, group of soldiers is sent out on a mission, it's stated out, spelled out very clearly, this is what you exist to do, this group, this team, and this is your mission, and this is how you'll be successful if you do that, what we must accomplish. Jesus said to his church, all of us, your mission is to go and make disciples. And so if you look on your sermon notes or in every week, this is in your bulletin right here, you'll see that our mission, this is the way we describe Jesus' great commission. It is that we exist, we exist to glorify God, first and foremost, by being Christ's followers, who make Christ followers. That is the word of God to our lives. What a glorious mission. 
Vision is about where we believe God is taking us right now. Vision is about how we will accomplish our mission together, what it looks like. And then it lo- vision is about what it looks like in the future as we're successful in accomplishing our mission together. So two years ago, we started on a vision statement process, and we rolled that out at the beginning of 2022. And this is going to be our vision until at least 2025. And it's reflected in three statements. As we are successful in our mission together, we will increasingly grow in these three things and reflect these three things. Let's read those together, those three statements. It's next to the mission statement in your bulletin every week. You see them on the screen. Let's get really familiar with these. Okay? One, two, three. Worship the king. Mature as family. Engage the world. And we increasingly are doing these things. These three statements reflect the overall vision, and today we're going to open God's Word and break them down a little bit more and clearly into how we're going to accomplish those in 2023. So all who call Community Grace home or their church family, these are for you, and all of you have a unique part to play in this. As 1 Corinthians says, if any part of the body is unhealthy, the whole body suffers. That means there is a place and a role and and a participation for all of us. Amen. All right. So I will form our three vision statements in three questions. The first is, how will we worship the king? Let's find out. As a fellow growing worshiper, and I, I believe I've grown as, as a worshiper a lot in the last year here, but as a fellow growing worshiper of, the, of our triune God and King Jesus I can say, praise him for what he's been doing here and praise him for what he's about to do in our midst, in our church, in us, in 2023. Let's begin with Community Grace's definition of worship. This is taken from the worship philosophy that we we created about two years ago. And here's the definition that we put on for our church. Worship defined. At Community Grace, we define worship as the active response of a Christ follower to who God is and what he does. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John 4, Jesus' words, in spirit and truth. Worship is accomplished in the life of a believer when submitting one's whole self to God. Romans 12. And then Romans 11. To worship God is the reason humans exist. This is big. This is who we are. This is what we do. And so let's be sure to understand what this means. Be on your notes if you're keeping notes. Be sure to understand the ways believers worship. Looking back at the definition, the first way that we worship is in spirit and truth. Both. Let's look at Jesus' words again in John 4, verse 23. He says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So we have spirit and truth. This is what the Father is seeking. This is who we are, who we called to be, who he's designed us to be in his image. So spirit and truth, that is hearts and minds. 
That is emotions. It is emotions. And intellect. And it is feelings. It is feelings. And correct biblical doctrine, knowledge, and wisdom, and obedience. It's both of those things equally so. Now, some churches obviously overemphasize the emotion, the spirit part of that, to the expense of the mind and sound doctrine and wisdom and knowledge of God, while other churches overemphasize the mind, fearing spirit-filled worship. And God's Holy Spirit is not someone to be feared, right? Now, in reverence it is. In obedience it is but not in his experience, in, in his ministry. God the Father is seeking worshipers in both. So the next way believers worship God is, according to the definition there, is with all of life. All of life. Jesus says this crystal clear in, Matthew, in Mark 12, verse 30. He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength, all of it. And he is worthy of all of it, as we just sang a few minutes ago. And worship shall comprise everything we do. Everything we do. Now, people in biblical times were familiar with the animal sacrificial system. That's how they had a relationship with God, forgiveness from their sins. But grasp God's instruction for this era that we live in now, after Jesus was the final sacrifice for our sins. Romans 12.1, and Paul picks up on this. Hear this verse anew today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is all of life. This is our whole self. Always everything we do with our bodies, everywhere we go, every moment, 24-7, is an ongoing sacrifice that is our worship. Now, one of my daughters just a few days ago admitted that I'm having a hard time understanding what that means. What does that look like uh, for me to do everything as worship? And she's right on. It took me a while to figure that out. And we all need to figure that out. And I want everybody to understand this. So let's just see what God's Word says. First of all, picture everything that you do. Now, that's a lot. So go ahead and let your mind scroll everything that I do. Now, with that in mind, now ask the question, everything that I do throughout the week, morning, noon, and night, am I doing that? Who am I gratifying in doing those things? Who am I seeking to gratify in everything that I do? Am I seeking to gratify myself, or am I seeking to gratify God? And that's the first glimpse at what this means. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. Everything is worship. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it pretty plainly, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is a way to live. For example, let's just take work. Most of us go to work of some sort. We do work. So when you work, Colossians 3 says, work as unto the Lord. There's a way to work as unto yourself, self-gratification, and there's a way to work as unto the Lord. 
When you go to work, if you're working purely for selfish gain and your own goals that you haven't prayed for and don't, don't even know God is involved in, when you participate in the dirty jokes in the, among the workers, and, uh, and you mistreat people along with other people, and you take advantage of people, or you're just selfish, there are ways to work, and you never do anything that, that lets anybody know that you're a Christian. That's a way to, to work for your own gratification. It's a simple paradigm change to say, I'm going to do my work following Christ as if Jesus was doing this job. That's how I'm going to operate myself, for God's glory. And I'll take the opportunity to proclaim Jesus as the opportunities exist. If done to reflect God's glory, in a spirit of thankfulness, that's another key from Scripture, no matter what the circumstances are, are thrown your way, that is worship. Well, there's lots more specific ways to worship God, and many of them are on your notes here. If you have your notes in front of you, you see the, the two lines, and there's a section right there between the lines. I'm not going to read these, but here's what I want you to do is circle the words above that. Study these verses at home in your de devotion time. So with this, I want to step out of this 40-minute lecture um, kind of set up here and go right into your homes with you this week. Not me personally, although feel free to invite me over if you want. <laughs> now take these sermon notes with you this week, and there are some amazing verses and ways of worship. And if you look up each of those verses and share them, study them, read, the, read them in context with the people in your household, you'll get a real gra grasp of what worship with all of our lives is all about. So there you go. Please do that this week, and it'll be an amazing experience. I can't wait to do that in our home. But today's focus is on our church's vision, so let's go to point C there, and that is ways churches worship God when we're together. The Bible speaks to that a lot. We do gather, and we do worship, corporate worship it's called, when we're together. So 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, But all things sh should be done decently and in order. And so what does the Bible say to do? It gives us a lot of guidance and instructions when we're together. It says to greet one another, and so we greet one another. Hey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, Alex. So thank you for our greeter ministry, but you know what? We're all greeters. We're all greeters. We're all ushers. And we greet one another. We sing. We do. I'll say more about that in a minute. We read scripture. We preach and teach the word. We proclaim the gospel, and we do that every time we meet. We, we observe the ordinances, baptism and communion. We give as an act of worship, our tithes and offerings. It's worship. All those things and more, and then we stir each other up to go back out onto the mission field until we come back a week later, beat up and needing of refreshment and worship together as a church family again the next Sunday. It is clear that worship is not just the singing time. And it's just the way our, our English vernacular works, though. We, we just kind of equivocate uh, worship and singing. I'll hear, we'll all hear, sometimes we'll say, the, uh, I really loved the worship today, or I didn't really like the worship today. Or I heard after one youth group, there was no worship last night, meaning there was no music last night. And I'm thinking, you did not mean what you just said, did you? Okay. There was no worship. No worship. Okay. It's just the way our English language is, but let's get this straight. Worship is, I heard it said this, this week, worship is a state of heart. Music is a state of art. Let's not confuse them as the same thing. 
You can do music with a heart of worship or without. You can worship with music or other ways. But having said that, God made music and, spe and singing special. So let me say a few more things on singing. God created us in his image, which makes us musical beings. None of God's other creation expresses emotion and intellect and replies back to him through music. This is special. We are musical beings because we're made in God's image. He did that, and then he backed up his dump truck and unloaded almost 50 direct commands for his people to sing, literally sing. Why? Now, maybe you don't grasp this, but I want you to, I want you to today. And, man, I want you to lead the way in this. We must, and it's for reasons that you want to experience. Here's just some that Scripture teaches us. Because when we sing, we respond to God. We please him. We praise him. We express his glory. We proclaim truths, including the gospel. They call it the song of the redeemed for their great redeemer. Singing does battle over our spiritual enemies. Singing grows our humility so that we will not be stiff-necked people like the Old Testament nation of Israel. Singing helps us remember words of scripture and sound doctrine. You'll remember songs way more than you remember sermons. Trust me, by Wednesday, you won't remember this. Hopefully you're nourished by it today and have a successful week in the Lord, but it's the songs that you'll remember, the doctrine from them. And that's why we're tightening down on some of our music sources that have gone off the rails and the truth category, how important that is to be singing. And singing connects us deeper together in unity. Every time we sing together, we are increasingly unified in the Lord. Beautiful. So when we get to heaven, we will sing, and we'll have all our sin and, and human fallenness away from us. But here's the picture. When we're standing in God's presence, singing together, that's not all we'll be doing by any stretch, but when we do, we will be clearly in awe of God, and we'll be proclaiming sound doctrine as we learn more in heaven. And it will be filled with emotion. All those things, it's going to be both spirit and truth and perfection, and it should be now, spirit and truth. So when we get together and do anything, but especially sing, let's sing together. I thank Tristan and all the worship teams that work so hard to lead this part of the church, and we're in good hands with them. And here's the great promise. We don't have to be good. God says, make a joyful noise. So got that for us. I've claimed that verse for many years. Okay, and so we have set vision goals for 2023 to worship the king. Uh, let's, let's look at these real quick. Again, the color is rust. It is not orange. Thank you, Michelle, for clarifying that for the staff on Tuesday. I want you to really I want, put this in a prominent place because these are the things that are going to be the rallying objectives, directives for, for Community Grace throughout, throughout the year. And again, I said that there are 10 that are starred, and that takes all church engagement. Uh, the other ones are more ministry-specific. But you'll notice that all six under this category are starred. And I look forward to experiencing all of them and, and the growth that God has for us in all of them. Okay. Now for our second vision statement point, 
I'm going to call up our own Sean Mason, our, who has been our youth director for eight years. He's sitting here ready to go before you come up. I'll just say a couple things about Sean. Sean has been a strong leader in the church, and I've been um, extremely uh, honored to, to partner and grow with him. And the way he has responded to the last two years of direct discipleship to become qualified as a pastor, uh, he has responded incredibly well. So, pending your approval, your vote on January 22nd at the annual business meeting, we're proposing to elevate him to the pastor of youth and family ministries, and Sean is going to come up as such and answer the second part of our question today, which is, how will we mature as family? Sean, come on up. Thanks, Reg. The last time I was in this uh, position, kind of candidating for a job, I had no idea who I was speaking to. Uh, and now it's, uh, I'm speaking to family. So very nice to be able to answer this question of how will we mature as family. And uh, first, I want to say that regardless of where you're at in life, whether you're married, whether you're single, widowed, a parent, foster parent, grandparent, step parent, wherever you're at, you have a role in maturing as family. But first, to understand that role, you have to identify what kind of parent you are. And spoiler alert, you all are some kind of parent. <laughs> Uh, there are three different categories that you need to identify where you're at, and uh, you can be in any of these three. You can be in them simultaneously, one at a different season of life than the other, um, but you all will be in one based on the relationship that you have with that, that person or that child. The first is a spiritual parent or grandparent. And I started with this role because this role does involve everyone. Uh, if you're a committed follower of Jesus, fair warning, whether you like it or not, someone, more specifically kids, are watching you specifically on how to follow Jesus. They will watch you and are always watching what you do. It's great accountability. If you're a spiritual parent or grandparent, this, means, this doesn't necessarily mean you don't have any biological kids of your own, but you do have kids or people in your life that look up to you to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. This role doesn't necessarily start when you're very little. Uh, when they're very little, my wife and I have our spiritual parents to a number of the college students in our congregation. And it's just simply modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. So if you have anyone who comes to you for godly advice and wisdom about what to do in a different life situations, you are a spiritual parent or grandparent. The second is a biological parent, adoptive parent or grandparent. Now, I hope that uh, I don't have to explain how you become this type of parent. Um, if you do have questions about that, talk to your parents. Um, <laughs> But if you played any part in the process of, of making a child, you are a biological parent, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Now, if you have biological kids of your own, um, that means you fall into number three, a spiritual and biological parent or adoptive parent and grandparent. Now, having kids of your own means that you are called by God to not only provide for your own kids physically, but also to provide for your kids spiritually. That is your responsibility. And we can look all the way back to Deuteronomy 11, 18 to 21. 
that spells it out that it's a parent's duty to teach the ways of God to their children. It doesn't say that I have to feed Sadie. It says that I have to teach her about Jesus. Always talking about the truths. Always speaking the truths. Always showing her what it looks like to follow Jesus and with Lily and our next daughter as well. Everything you do as a parent is to model for your kids what following Jesus looks like. I feed my kids because I want to show them Jesus. But not only will you be a biological parent to your own kids, but if we do church as God's way, you're going to end up being a spiritual parent for other kids as well. Not only will your own kids look up to you, but so will other people's kids, regardless if they have good biological parents or not. Ask any parent, and they'll tell you that there will be things that they will tell their kids over and over and over again, and their kids never listen to them. That is, until someone else comes along one time and says the exact same thing, and they listen to it and take it as truth. That means we need a village to raise our kids. And that, that our kids need someone other than their biological parent to help grow them to be like Jesus. Point being, you can be the greatest parent ever. You can do everything right according to the book, but you're still going to need other people to speak truth into your children's lives. What we need to realize as a church is that being a spiritual parent to a kid does not necessarily mean that those kids had bad upbringings. What it does mean, again, is that in order for the kids of community grace to be truly raised in Jesus, it takes all of us regardless of our status. Parents, I want to ask you, do you know what your kids are being taught right now in their classes? Do you have any intention on asking them about what they learned in their class after, when you go out to lunch today? I'm not asking that as calling into question the teaching of the kids' ministry. I'm asking that as accountability for your duty to raise your children in Jesus. Now, this is a big task. And brings up the question, where do we even start in this task? And I'm glad that you asked that question. Because I'm really excited about this. Uh, walking the legacy path with your church family. Now, over the past year... I've been working to create what we are calling the Community Grace or the CG Legacy Path. And part of our vision for family ministries is to see parents and families become the best disciplers of their kids. Now, that statement sounds good in theory, but it also raises the question, how on earth do I disciple my kids? Well, our answer as a church is the Community Grace Legacy Path. And you have this handout in your worship bulletin this morning. And each step, each blue circle is a milestone that includes a way that we as a church, hear this, will resource you as parents or spiritual parents to help you become the best disciplers of your kids. That means it is not my job, it is not Heather's job to make sure that your child is following Jesus. It is our job to walk with you as you introduce your children to Jesus. Milestone one, introducing your child to Jesus. 
Now, even though that this legacy path is geared towards parents with kids, we wanted this in everyone's hand because this discipleship process can be used for anyone to move through graduating spiritually to being on your own and then discipling others. And we also want you to be in tune with the process that we're walking through with families as they raise their kids. You need to know where our families are at in order to best walk with those families. The first step is identifying where you are at on this path. Because obviously not everyone is going to be at Milestone 1. Now how do we do that? We're going to have a family huddle in February where I will walk through how to identify where you're at and then how to move to the next one or how you can walk with other families to help move them along the path. But to help you, and this is a fair warning, if you don't know where your family is at spiritually, where your household is at spiritually, this process will be 10 times more difficult. Start now by simply just asking the question, what did you learn in your class today? Let your kids pray out loud, even though it may take 20 minutes. Let them pray out loud. One of the best ways to find out what's on someone's heart is to let them pray. Let your spouse pray. Let your kids pray. And if I could sum up this legacy path with one word, that one word would be this, modeling. Not in terms of a runway model, but modeling what following Jesus looks like. Here's the thing. Our goal as parents and grandparents and spiritual parents and grandparents is not to see our kids get saved. Our goal must be to model what it looks like for our kids to follow Jesus. Seeing our kids get saved is the first step. Seeing them following Jesus is a lifelong process as long as the Lord blesses us with children. Modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus also means that we as a church, not just the biological parents, but we as a church, model what it looks like to follow Jesus to our kids. What it looks like to take notes and listen during a sermon. Our kids need to see and learn what worshiping and following Jesus looks like. Being a true committed follower of Jesus is not only taught, it is more caught. And this is nothing to be afraid of. But having kids in our worship services needs to be seen as a blessing, not a burden. This is what happens when we do church God's way. Because we're modeling what following him looks like. I'm very excited about the future of Family Ministries um, at Community Grace. and very excited uh, to expand this role because now we get to, I've always said to our youth staff every year, I say our job is to be a complement to the home, not a supplement to the home. And now we get, to, we get to push that into our children's ministry as well. So this is not the end of children's or youth ministry with this title change. It's going to actually make it better, and we're going to become a family-equipping church where we resource you to walk with your kids and see your kids follow Jesus. But now to finish up what it looks like to mature his family. I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Reg. All right. Thank you, Sean. Hey, Sean's pretty fun to listen to, isn't he? <clears throat> thank you for your leadership on that. This is great. If you look at your goals again, goal number seven 
is a discipleship path that's very much like the family legacy path, except the, the discipleship path, this is one of the top um, objectives for the new executive pastor to work with on us. It's a tool that allows anybody who walks in through the doors, whether a lifelong Christian or brand new seeker, uh, to discover really easily where I am on my spiritual journey and uh, what I need next, what are my next steps, and how do I connect here to that. So those things are in development. Uh, this is vital for every Christ follower, and it involves structure. All of our ministries are included in this. All of our people are. I just want to announce that we're planning a new launch of the men's and women's ministry during the course of 2023 under the executive pastor's oversight. And by the way, men, the men's leadership class kicks off again in about two and a half weeks. If you did not receive a letter from me about that, men, let me know. Write a note on your communication card or, or email me uh, because I don't want you to miss out on, on hearing about that opportunity. That kicks off later this month. And small groups are critical to discipleship as well. And I'm just so happy that the brand new small group semester is also kicking off in two weeks. And if you're not in a small group, we have open groups ready to begin and ready to invite you. So here's what we do at this time of the year. Uh, if you're sitting in one of the middle aisles, would you grab these papers if there are some there? If there's none left, there, we have more at the connections table back in the back, or you can ask the people in front of you or behind you. Pass those down the row. And these are the list of open groups, which means they want you to come and check them out. Uh, no group doesn't want to be filled. They want to be filled. There's one new group starting pretty soon. We might have more details on that next week. But go ahead and express your interest as a new small group year begins. I just want to say a special thank you to small group leaders. You know, they stick their necks out spiritually for, for, the, for the shepherding of the people, and they do a bulk of the relational shepherding in a church. And so can we just th say thank you by a round of applause just for, for the small group leaders? I know. Thank you. And, of course, all the teachers and, again, everybody that's, that's in the work of the ministry is doing their part. Okay, let's go on now to question number three for Vision 2023. That is, how will we engage the world? You can't help, as growing as a worshiper and maturing in Christ, as a church family, being support, to engage the world. So what are we going to do? First of all, what's the condition of the world right now? The world is changing every day that we wake up. Uh, it's changed a lot in the last three years. False religions still cover the, the globe. There's paganism and sexuality, distortions and abortion and polygamy and critical race theory and wokeism and cancel culture and gender confusion and ideology and, and evolutionary nihilism, uh, the meaninglessness of, of no God, uh, legalism you know, that buries us, uh, all kinds of stuff. Our world in any nation that turns its back on God is increasingly in chaos and confusion and anger and hostility towards each other you know, and, and lostness without Jesus. Our mission, our mission as people who Jesus has saved by his sacrifice is to go out and tell the world the very thing that they need the most and honestly that their soul longs for the most, that meaning and identity and value and hope and justice and all, all the other things that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, the good news of salvation and new life in Jesus. So we can't keep this to ourselves. Let's just go out and engage the world. I almost want to say recklessly, but just passionately. 
Whatever comes, we need to proclaim Jesus to the world in our own way, into our own fields. And so let's look. This is our vision, how we're going to engage the world locally and globally. Locally, our community around us, where God has planted you and me, there are two musts involved in engaging the world. The first one is personal holiness. Well, that doesn't sound like a mission strategy. Oh, but it is. Christians who are not following Christ, not filled with the Spirit, they are powerless to make a difference in the world for Jesus. Spirit-filled lives, abiding in Jesus and walking strongly in his Spirit. The Old Testament and New Testament both say a lot about this. Let me just read one passage from the New Testament, 1 Peter 1, 13-15, where Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. All right, we want to go out there and, and love the Lord with all of our strength, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, he is pumping me up. I want to go and be on Jesus' mission. And then he says in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. God has opened your eyes to his truth and taught you a new way to live. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And of course, keeping in step with the Spirit, we learn in other scriptures, is what powers us. We shall, the Holy Spirit will come on us to be Jesus' witnesses. Holiness is a distinctive of God's people. And this is part of being all in for Jesus. All in for Jesus. If we do not pursue holiness, how will we have power? If we do not, if we quench and grieve the Spirit, will he give us power? If we disobey God, will he bless us? And can we expect God to be the source of our peace if the world is the source of our satisfaction? Let's be all in for Jesus. And yeah, that means we have to make choices. We leave the, the things we formerly used to turn to. That means we don't watch that movie or that show or, or listen to the stuff that grieves God's heart. Just, just leave it and move on to better things. This means that we disciple our own children. It means, what else is holy living? It means that we value people, even our enemies. We love our enemies. We value elderly, the fatherless, the outcasts with our time. This is on God's heart. That we are fair in economic dealings. We don't take advantage of people anymore or steal, or lie. We have integrity when no one else is looking. And on and on, everything the Bible teaches us. We seek justice. We're sexually faithful to God's design always. We care for God's creation. Simply put, we obey all that Jesus has commanded, which is the Great Commission. Then, as we do that, trust me, I have a lot of sins to confess all the time. And God is always faithful and just to forgive us those sins. We have inexhaustible grace always there to pick us right back up when we fall or fail, okay? So we don't need to judge anybody else keeping them down, condemning them, but make good judgments and lift people up. Okay, so we got God's grace. We have his clear instruction. And then, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which we will be to be Jesus' witnesses, we pour into the world with the must number two, that is planting gospel seeds in all of our fields. Our fields is everywhere we go. I go different places than you. You have different fields than, than I do or the person next to you. But everywhere we go, we plant gospel seeds. This has, been, this has become our verbiage here at Community Grace. 
for being on Jesus' mission. It's planting gospel seeds and watering gospel seeds taken from Scripture. That metaphor, this is not reserved for some Christians. It is the, the mission of all Christians. Our fields are everyone we talk to, whether for a brief moment or people we see on a regular basis, maybe business relationships, and then the closest people to us, all of those, we plant gospel seeds. How do we do that? Tell them God loves them. Tell them there is a solution for the evil that, we, that we're seeing the effects of. There is a solution. Tell them that there is hope. His name is Jesus. And that they are invited to community grace. God gives us those opportunities every day, especially if we pray for them. So that's who we are. That's who we are as a church. We want to be faithful followers of Jesus, all in for him. I had a friend recently call me from Washington State. It, um, it's, it wasn't a friend that I talked to um, now that I've moved here very often, so I was curious why he was calling me, so I answered the phone, and, and this is what he said. He said, Reg, I just had to call you and tell you this. Remember the young woman that Sarah was discipling about four years ago, and they introduced you to, she introduced you to their boy, her boyfriend, and you told him the gospel, and he wasn't all that familiar with it. Well, he said, they are married now, and I just took him to a men's retreat a few hours' drive away. The speaker was the fire chief of Long Beach, Washington. It was a great retreat, and on the car ride home, he asked Jesus to be his Savior. He gave his life to Christ, and he said, I just wanted to call you and thank you for planting those seeds four years ago. His words. Man, that was exciting to hear. And that's how God works through our faithfulness, our obedience. So let's get out there and plant gospel seeds. For the last three months, our elders, you may probably don't know this, our elders have been in accountability to text each other. To, we've agreed we're going to plant at least one gospel seed and text our partner for the, for the month about it each week. And we've been doing that. It's been very thrilling, very encouraging, good accountability. It keeps keeps it on the forefront of your mind all the time. We're going to start doing that with staff here now, and we want everybody here to, to enjoy uh, the fruits of that faithfulness, following Jesus in all ways. So you're at a church that takes that seriously. We're going to bring the gospel into our community. When we turn to globally, because the, the mission is to make disciples of all nations, and God wants us to have a global-minded heart like his, I just want to say don't be discouraged. More people have come to faith in Christ in the last 60 years than in all the previous 1,900 years of, of church history. So God is on the move. He's on the move, yet there are still 7,000-some unreached people groups that are cut off from hearing the gospel. And salvation comes from hearing the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so we're going to do our part, how God leads. We're going to continue sending out missionaries and supporting missionaries encouraging them, and to adopt unreached people groups like our focus on the Fulani people of Central and North Africa, people who are presently don't have gospel influence in their own uh, culture. So what I'm going to do right now is play a one-minute video that just scrolls through our current missionaries so that we can have a, a bit of a concert of prayer for the, the missionaries as they pop up, just say a quick prayer for them and see what kind of a difference that makes in their ministries, in their lives right now. Let's just ma maximize this one minute. Make it powerful in your prayers. All right. Thank you for praying for them. I'm sure that they probably need it. And um, 
keep, keep that up. Keep them in your prayers as we go. If they're watching out there, we love you and know that you're on the, on the front lines sharing the gospel. We're inspired by you and, and pray for you. As you scan one more time at the goals, you see the Engage the World goals that we're going to be a part of. Some are starred, some are ministry-specific. There is a place for all of you in those many places. Cool things in store for 2023. I pray that you're all a part of it, and it will bring many more people. Now, the last ingredient in worshiping the king, maturing his family, and engaging the world is that everybody is involved, and that's the last handout here, the, the spreadsheet of gifts and talents or interests. That's this one right here. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, again, with the body illustration in 1 Corinthians, all of us are, are important. However God has gifted you and given you the, the gifts, the talents, and the interests, this is virtually everything we have going on right now, and if you have new ideas, there's a space to write those in there. We're only as strong as, as everybody's participation in this body. And I, I should probably say, if you're already maxed out, this is not for you, <laughs> all right? Uh, we want to avoid burnout uh, and let everybody participate in some way. Would you do, the instructions are simple. Check the line for anything that you'd be interested in. Uh, connecting with one of the ministry leaders, and they will contact you. You can put that in one of the offering boxes on the walls or give it to the church office this week if you want more time to look it over. That's just one mechanism. Let's get everybody building up this body of Christ, as he's called. Again, Jesus went all in for us. I hope that you're willing and ready to go all in for Jesus 2023. Let's close in prayer and ask him and devote our lives to him now. Oh, Lord, God, we do want success, and we want the church to grow, and we want to grow in all these ways. Not that we look great, but that you look great. We exist to glorify you and enjoy you forever. I pray that you've opened some eyes.